Celebration. When is the last time that uh, you celebrated something? Okay. Uh, maybe it was a birthday. Who had a birthday recently? No one? Come on, don't be shy, because I might be ha- hanging on to a present here that you might want. Oh, now the hands are coming. <laughs> well, psych, I didn't have a present. But what was the last time, the last reason, as it were, that you celebrated? Maybe something at work, like a promotion. Uh, maybe it was an anniversary. Maybe it was a final debt payment of you wrote that check, and you're like, sweet, I am finally out of debt. Um, as I've been thinking about celebration, because today it's Celebration Sunday, um, I've been thinking obviously a lot about celebration. And what I've been thinking about in particular is we typically celebrate events. And so when events come, again, birthdays or promotions or anniversaries or you name it, we celebrate an event. And as soon as the event is over, so is the celebration. And we just go on with everyday life. And what I had been thinking about recently is, what does it look like to actually cultivate a lifestyle where I'm constantly celebrating, I'm I'm constantly in a state of rejoicing? Now, I'm not saying that everything in life, I live in the same world you do. It's not easy, it can be tough, it can be discouraging, but how can I cultivate a lifestyle where no matter what my situation or my circumstance, whatever it might be, my response is one of just continued celebration. Because I'm not the man or the woman who goes from event to event to event to celebrate, up and down, up and down, up and down. And what we look forward to most is, oh gosh, Christmas is right around the corner. That's what I'm looking forward to, uh, whatever the holiday might be. Um, But cultivating a lifestyle where I rejoice. Uh, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, says it like this, a very simple, short verse we can all memorize. Uh, uh, Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. I'm pretty confident, I know this for sure, but I don't think this was on his birthday when he wrote that one verse. So he's telling people rejoice. I think Paul was onto something and he understood what it meant to have a lifestyle of celebration or a lifestyle of joy, a lifestyle of rejoicing. And so the command is simply rejoice in the Lord always. Not sometimes, not situationally, not circumstantially, not from event to holidays to birthdays to anniversaries. Rejoice, celebrate in the Lord always. And just to say it again emphatically to kind of drive home the point, I'm going to say it one more time with an exclamation point, rejoice. So as you're here today, Sunday, March 6, 2011, what are you rejoicing? As you just consider where you are and who you are, where you're at today, would you say my lifestyle is, yeah, I've got joy going on. I am, I'm rejoicing. And actually things don't look great, but I still rejoice in where I'm at. I think, to be honest, most of us, if not a, a lot of us, would have to say, I'm the event celebrator. Uh, I'm the situational rejoicer, as it were. Um, and I think what the Bible teaches pretty clearly is we're not called to celebrate just events We're not called to just celebrate situations or circumstances in our life, but to cultivate actually a lifestyle uh, of rejoicing. One more time, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Today, Celebration Sunday. And I think one of the reasons we're celebrating as a church community, 
Uh, we're not just highlighting one individual or two individuals. We're highlighting God and God at work in this community. And I know one of the biggest threats to my joy, to my rejoicing, to my celebration is simply this. I forget. I'm not saying that's the only thing that hinders joy and celebration and rejoicing, but I think it's a major thing for many of us is we just forget. And when I forget who God is, just as I was praying right there, I'm just reminding myself, God, you are these things, loving and kind and gracious and faithful. Like when I consider and I remember who God is, and then when I consider and I remember what God has done, the fact that I can even know God, nonetheless have a relationship with God, nonetheless call out to God as a father, as a son would call out to his father, when I just consider what God has done in my life, doesn't matter what's going on in my life, but God's done things in my life, I can rejoice. And then when I just consider and think about the things that God has planned, the things that God has in store, these are all reasons to celebrate, to rejoice, to enter into a posture, a position of just being joyfully continually because God is God. He doesn't change. He's faithful. He's consistent. So this morning, I want to highlight uh, specifically, if you have a bulletin, there's pens in front of you, I'd encourage you to write down uh, these few things. And again, this is bird's eye view. This is like 50,000 feet view looking down on this community of, God, what are you doing in our midst? And this is my list. I'm sure you might come up with a, a different list, and that would be awesome because you also see God at work in our community. But since I get the microphone, this is my list. So here are six or seven things that I'm pretty stoked about. I'm very excited about because I, I recognize each of these and I say, it, it's a total God thing. Like we couldn't do that kind of thing. Like it has to be a God thing. So number one, and these are very practical, okay? So very practical examples of how God is at work in our community. And this is the question of why are we celebrating? And here are seven reasons of why we are celebrating as a community. And number one, just put life groups. Uh, we make a big deal about life groups week in and week out, encouraging and inviting you uh, to begin cultivating relationships with other people, uh, that we invite you to belong to a community. Too many people live in isolation, uh, and we weren't created to live in isolation. Created for God, by God, to, to live in relationship with a triune God in community. And so this semester, we just launched about a month ago, we're a community of barely over 100 people, but we have 95 people currently engaged in life groups. That's phenomenal to me, that you almost have a little over 90% of this community engaged in community, in, in life group community. I know we all have reasons of why we shouldn't be or couldn't be in life groups because life is just too busy, but I get so excited to know that, wow, 90 plus people, 95 people each week are going to these life group communities so that they can get known and be known. And they're making a declaration of, I don't want to live life alone. I want to walk with people and build relationships with people. And ultimately, it's a statement that says, I want to grow in my relationship with God. Now, the beauty of it is we've got people who don't even come to this church who are not going anywhere, but they love the relationships in life groups, and that's happening. So that's just number one. I'm so excited about what God's doing in life groups. 
Number two, put this under the category of new and non. So new Christians and non-Christians. In the past six months, uh, we've had a handful of people who have said, you know what? I'm a, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. I don't want to make my life about me. I want to live my life for Jesus. And I can just say anytime that there's just one person, nonetheless a dozen people who turn their life over to Christ, it's a God thing. It's an absolute God thing that someone would be convicted to the core, confess that they're a sinner and they need a savior and look to Jesus. We can't do that. We point people to the Savior. We encourage, we pray, but ultimately only God can change someone's heart. So when I see people making confessions of faith for the very first time, that's a God thing. And for us, that should cause Christians to rejoice. This is uh, what uh, Jesus, in in a parable he told in Luke 15, he said this, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. It just takes one and heaven breaks out in celebration. Like, isn't that amazing? So that's just one person and heaven halts and just celebrates, which tells me that heaven is a constant celebration. It's a constant place of just rejoicing that God is drawing men and women to himself and men and women are confessing and repenting and responding to Jesus. That's phenomenal and that's happening. Now, I said new Christians, but I also get excited that there's non-Christians. Now, this might be somewhat awkward for some people here, but there are people here today who have not made a decision and have not confessed their need for a Savior, but they're still coming. That's, I have to ask the question, why? Why on earth would you come to a church and the worship and listen to someone preach for an hour, and why would you do that? Well, I see that as just evidence that there are people who are seeking, they're asking questions, they're trying to figure out not only who they are and who God is, but how does this all work? Again, that is just evidence that God is doing stuff in our midst, that there would be non-Christians coming here, asking questions, hungry to learn, asking tough questions. It's a great uh, example that uh, the religious leaders, they were not big fans of Jesus. Uh, they actually had a very difficult time with Jesus. And I think one of the reasons that they had such a hard time with Jesus is because Jesus didn't hang out with, him, with them. And so Jesus is at a party, and it's filled with tax collectors and prostitutes and just notorious sinners. And in Luke chapter 15 again, uh, the Pharisees come to Jesus, uh, starting at verse 30. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to, the, to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus loves sinners. Jesus loved spending time and investing relationally in sinners so that they would know that there is just a phenomenal Savior, Him. So I get so excited to know that there are people here who are so brand new to the faith as of just about three weeks ago. I love that. I'm already so excited for this August or September when we'll go back to the ocean and uh, have a bunch more people get drenched. I get so excited about that. I'm excited for the non-Christians that are coming. Number three, transformation. This one is is pretty, it's a big category, uh, but lives are getting changed. I get to do pastoral ministry full-time, and I just absolutely love it. It's phenomenal, the stories 
I get to hear of just God changing people's lives. People who are so broken and hurt and wounded and just so jacked up, but yet they're meeting Jesus and seeing Jesus work in their lives and restore and redeem and reconcile. It's just phenomenal. I can't tell you how many marriages just in the past 18 months I've seen restored. And there's more to be restored, but I'm so thankful for the marriages that have been restored. God is literally transforming people's lives. And you might be sitting in the chair today saying, amen, because he's changing my world. He's changing my life. He's changing my heart. I used to be this angry, just bitter person. I'm not that guy anymore. Now, you could either say, well, that's because I'm just, I've worked so hard and I read a bunch of anger management books and watched the movie. <laughs> or you could just say, you know what? God took a bitter, hard heart and softened it. So I just see God is absolutely transforming people. Uh, and what I like about this is from the inside out. We can cosmetically make ourselves look real pretty. We can make ourselves look really good. And that's not what I'm talking about. That's ultimately pharisaical living. What God's doing in people's lives here from the inside out, changing the heart, which is changing everything. Number four, uh, this might seem like an odd one, but I have to just say, God has just totally financially provided for this church. Absolutely financially. I can't tell you, well, it wasn't a dozen people, but it was pretty darn close. Of When we planted, I had some people come up to me like, Michael, do you really think it's wise to plant a church in this economy? And I was like, wow, that's, that's a great point. I, I guess we should stop, huh? I wasn't that, I was a little bit like that, but. And I just said, you know what? That's absolutely a great observation, but I want you to observe how God will provide for this church. And it has been amazing month after month after month after month. God has just provided in abundance for this church. And what's really cool is as a young church, we're already supporting missionaries, uh, we're getting ready to take on some new missionaries this month. Uh, we're already supporting churches that are just planted and actually are way ahead of us because they need support. And so I can't tell you how great it is to write checks uh, to churches just as a blessing, uh, just to say, God, keep going hard, keep trusting, just keep going for it. Uh, and the great thing is uh, a lot of people have asked me, do you guys even take a, a collection? We don't pass a hat in this place. We don't pass a bucket, as it were. We always have put those uh, vases, vases out in the back and just trusted as God would lead people uh, to give, they will give. And God's gone beyond that. People give generously. It's absolutely phenomenal just to see how God has provided. Number five, I get excited about all of these, so I'm, I keep thinking this is the greatest one, but they're all great. Uh, number five, uh, I just have such a heart for leadership and seeing God raise up just godly men and godly women who are so desirous to learn and grow and be developed as leaders. You know, the last uh, few months we've been doing these leadership development things on Sunday nights, and we've had 40 plus people come out for these meetings saying, help me, I want to learn how to lead myself, I want to learn how to multiply after myself. Again, we're a community of 100, barely 100 people, and a little bit less than 50% are coming out saying, I want to learn how to lead in my home, in my, with my kids, in my workplace, in the church place. One thing I'm specifically excited about is, hopefully you've heard before, but we are going to be a church that plants churches that plants churches. 
In order to do that, we need God to raise up some godly men who are called and qualified to plant these churches. Right now, there are eight men in our community who are praying hard. God, are you calling me to leave my job, to leave my, my, my paycheck, as it were, to be part of planting a church? Isn't that phenomenal? That someone would say, I don't want to work in that. I want to work with God in ministry and planting churches. I, t- I say, well, are we celebrating those eight people? No. We're celebrating God because that has to be a God thing. That God would speak to someone, allow them to hear his voice, give them a heart to respond, and start wrestling with their call. That was number five, leadership development. I'm so excited to see the, the folks that God is raising up in this community. So when we start talking about planting a church in the Davis Square area, in the Quincy area, in the North Shore area, in the Wilmington area. It's not going to be shocking to me that we'll be able to bust out a lot of churches at once because God is raising up godly men in this church to lead those churches. It's phenomenal. Number six. Are you guys smiling? I can't see you. I hope you're like looking at me with smiles. Glasses was supposed to help my vision, but it's looking a little blurry. Are you guys... All right, good. Someone clapped. Let's, I want to clap for you. There you go. Number six. Number six. And this is, uh, we're going to spend some time, actually the majority of our time on this. And uh, it is this. God has raised up specifically in this church uh, two men to serve Jesus and to serve you as elders. Paul Fleming and Jeremy Alexander uh, have gone through it as it were. They submitted themselves, they had surrendered themselves to a process. They had expressed a call towards serving this church, towards serving Jesus, towards serving you uh, as elders. And to be an elder, it's a big deal. Uh, It's a big deal. It's a lot of responsibility. It's a huge weight. And they said, we sense that God is calling us towards this. What's next? And so we entered into a process. Let's tear apart your life. What do you look like? What does your character look like? What does your marriage look like? I don't have the book in front of me, but I'm not going to highlight the whole process because we went to great length and detail um, uh, to come up with a book of this is who Jeremy Alexander is and this is who Paul Fleming is and this is what the process looks like. Uh, So today, I'm very excited uh, to say that we are installing two men as elders of this church. And I just know that has to be a God thing. That has to be a God thing. And I say that specifically because these men are just not like, great business guys. They're not just like guys who have great leadership abilities. They're men who genuinely love Jesus. I always wanted in elders for Genesis, first and foremost, that these guys would hardcore love Jesus. They'd love their wives. They would love their kids, and they'd love this church. And that's what we worked on for 18 months is, what does it look like you loving God? Let's see it. Let's demonstrate that. What does your marriage really look like? What do you as a dad really look like? And do you really have a heart for this church? Will you lay your life on the line, as it were, in in serving this church? And these men, God raised them up. And so uh, today, uh, I wanted to do uh, it's a surprise. um, But rather than, these guys have heard me speak a lot. So I'm going to step back from speaking. And um, I wanted to bring in two individuals in particular uh, who... Uh, have had a great influence, uh, have been a great encouragement. 
have been a great blessing uh, to specifically Paul Fleming and to Jeremy Alexander, and this was a surprise to them, so I feel very much like Oprah right now. Um, <laughs> look underneath your chairs, there might be something. And um, so there was one individual in particular uh, in Jeremy Alexander's uh, life uh, who's just been a great blessing to him, and it's his brother. And so we flown in his brother from Atlanta, Georgia, uh, so that he would be here with us. Uh, so, Paul, if you'd come up. Everyone say hello to Paul. Good-looking guy, right? Huh? I had a conversation with him at about 11.30 last night about shaving my head, so I was very tempted to come to church this morning. Because let's be honest, in the lights, it's not looking so good up there. Um, but I just picked him up at the airport last night, and just in the, literally, I took him to Chipotle, just so you all know. So um, It was quite tasty, too. Yes. Yeah. Um, but from what I've already learned from this man, he's a man who genuinely loves Jesus. He's a pastor and has served faithfully as a pastor for the last 15 years, uh, lives with uh, his wife, Lisa, and his three kids, uh, who unfortunately are Florida Gator fans, so I'm sorry, I'll pray for you. Um, How many times have we beaten you now? So thank you for coming. Enjoy. <laughs> so I've invited uh, Paul just to speak to us, but also to speak just words of blessing on his brother. Thank you. Um, Jeremy, you know that typically, oh, good, <laughs> I get up every Sunday and teach, you know, like all these people. In and, front of 3,000 people, right, nonetheless. So, it's, so. It, you know, I feel gener generally speaking, I'm, I'm fairly composed, have my act together. Um, I was over in Starbucks just a little while ago down the street, kind of going over what I felt the Lord wanted me to say this morning. And um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to hold it together. So forgive me ahead of time because I don't want the moment to be lost in emotion, um, but I want it to be founded in what's true and what's right and what's accurate and what's faithful to the Lord, because what God's done here uh, is very special. I don't know what your church experience is like. I don't know what your background is like and your religious background is like, but what God's done and is doing in Genesis is uh, very unique and very special, and uh, um, you may not know it from the perspective and the seat you sit in at this moment, but uh, you're a part of something that is just on the very beginning of what's going to be a really neat ride. And so um, I'm honored to be able to be in the room uh, and be able to be a part of this moment. Uh, Jeremy, you may remember 25 years ago, this spring, <laughs> um, I'm not going to tell the story about... Um, if it would embarrass him, please feel free. <laughs> there are a lot of those. I'm not going to tell those stories, but 25 years ago this spring, um, I don't know if you get everything that happened in that moment, but Jeremy and I grew up in a very small Southern Baptist church plant in Northern Virginia. It was very traditional, choir robes, organ, piano, uh, pews, all that stuff. And, and for a period of time, as a pre-adolescent, you know, I'd sit on the edge of the pew kind of each Sunday because at the end of each Sunday morning service, they sang 14 verses of Just As I Am, and they had this, like, you know, this altar call, right? And for two years, literally, I can remember sitting on the very edge of the pew saying, okay, this Sunday is going to be the Sunday I'm going to respond to the grace of the Lord through Jesus Christ and what he's offered us through the cross. And Okay, and I, I wait, no, next Sunday. And this went on for two years. 
And we had a revival service one night in this, in this church. And what that meant in a small Southern Baptist conservative church plant was that some guy with an acoustic guitar came in, and that was a revival service. <laughs> and so um, it, was a, it was just a total tangent to what was normal there. And so um, I can remember being in that service, and God can use all kinds of environments and all kinds of people. Um, and I can remember just feeling so compelled to respond to the love of God. And I'm sitting there in this pew, and I'm just weeping at the end of the service during this altar call. And I look up, and Jeremy is down forward at the front of this church, kneeling and asking Christ to come into his life. And you're my little brother. But you've been someone who's, um, because of your faithfulness to the Lord, has pushed me across lines in my life and pushed me to continue to follow Jesus. And uh, you were the tipping point that God used in my life that night um, to get me to respond to him. And I don't know if you know that. I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way before. But my prayer for you in this role that, that God has put you in here, Jeremy, is that you would be that line pusher for this church. That God would continue to use you to uh, come alongside men and women and husbands and wives and children and, and to share this leadership role with Mike and, and just be that tipping point, you know, in the way that you live out your faith and your relationship with Tracy, the way that you love her really well and you lay your life down for her as an example to all the believers here. That marriages would be healed. That people who are inquisitive about faith in Jesus would realize that it's not just some hocus-pocus kind of jump-off-a-cliff faith, but there's something real to this thing. That my life is very different because Jesus died for me, and I was dead, and now I'm alive. And... Jeremy, that, that you would live out your faith in such a way in this community of people that you would be a line pusher around here like you were for me. Um, that is a good under-shepherd to Christ that you'd be used to prepare his bride for that day. Um, I don't know if the church, you get this, you guys have talked to this moment a little bit as you've talked about eldership here. This is a very holy moment, Jeremy, where God is made known to his people to select you out and to set you apart for something unique and special. It's a really holy calling that you're obeying and listening to and responding to. And so, man, let me say, dude, live a life that's worthy of this calling. Okay. In Colossians, the Apostle Paul writes, uh, among other things, he writes this, I'm going to personalize this a little bit. It says, for this reason, since the day I heard about you, I've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And I pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you 
all the weaknesses you have, all the things that people in this room don't know about than I do. <laughs> Jeremy, God's qualified you, not man. God has selected you out through his people. And he's so well pleased in you. He's qualified you to share in this inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he brought us into the kingdom of his son that he loves. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Over the years I've seen you. I've seen your love for the church grow. Um, which everybody, I don't know if everybody knows or not, it's no small thing. Um, it's easy to sit back and say, gosh, the church is a little broken and get cynical about it. It's really cool for me to see you roll up your sleeves and say, okay, finally I'm going to do something about it and I'm going to help it become what God wants it to be. And, and the reason I know you've continued to grow in your relationship with God and look more like him is it's impossible to walk with God and not love the things he loves. And God is drop dead crazy about his bride. He loves his church. And if you love him, you're going to love what he loves, and your heart's going to break for what, what breaks his heart. And it's easy for me to see over the journey of your life how you've continued to grow in your relationship with God and your love for Christ as your affection for the church has continued to grow. And let me just say this, Jeremy. Um, you know what I'm walking through in this moment. You know my story really well. It's worth it. As, as broken as the church of North America is, it is worth it to give your life for it. Because Christ gave his life for it. In fact, um, one book over, 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul, Timothy, and Silas are talking to this church. And he says in verse 8 of chapter 2, he says, We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, so not only just good sound doctrine, not only just good teaching, not only just the right information, but our lives, because you had become so dear to us. Jeremy, this role that you're sitting in, you have all the right doctrine, you have all the right information, you have all the right stuff to give people, but just don't, don't just share that with these people. Share your life with them. Share your heart with them, because they're worth it. Because Christ died for them, and he's crazy about them. And the more you love your God, the more you're going to love these people. So do that well. I have all these things I want to say. Preachers usually do. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. As you share your life with this church, Jeremy, with all the responsibility and the burden that comes along with that, remember something. This church already has a savior, and he's doing quite well. So as you feel a responsibility to live well and to lead well and, and to live your inner life well and to live your marriage well and father your children well and support this man well, remember that Christ is doing pretty well without you. So don't think too much of yourself. Because it's a, it's, it's a joy to be able to come on and serve with this man as an under-shepherd to this church. 
Genesis, um, I would say this to you as one who served in the church as an elder for years. I would challenge you to follow well. These three men, Mike and uh, Paul and Jeremy, they carry a unique vision. They carry a unique burden um, that honestly, you don't understand until you sat in the seat. It's easy from the outside to say, gosh, why don't they just do this? And until you sit in that seat and you feel the spiritual burden, there's a uniqueness to that. And Mike, I honor you publicly because um, you've led this body well. What God has done through you here, it really is special. It doesn't happen everywhere. Uh, the life expectancy of new churches is not good. And uh, the way these people love you, the way you love them, the fruit that's being borne out through the gospel ministry here in the word is really special. So as a church, Genesis, I would encourage you, man, these guys are charged to shepherd you, to lead you, to protect you, to teach you, to, to help you become what God's dreamt for this church to become, to help you become what God's dreamt for you to become as a person, as a man, as a husband, as a wife. And there's going to become, there's going to come times, I'm telling you because I've lived it, there's going to come times where this man is going to want to lose heart. There's going to come times where Paul and where Jeremy are going to want to lose heart. They're going to be discouraged. They're going to be overwhelmed. There's going to be moments where they're going to kind of peek up and say, which way are we supposed to go? And they're going to say, I don't know. Let me go pray about it. Because if God doesn't tell us, I don't know. And these men need you to come alongside them and love them well. These men need you as a church to come alongside of them and hold their arms up as the battle wages for the heart of Boston. Because God has put this church here uniquely and you guys can be something that no other church can be because you're made up of people that no other church on the planet has with gifts and abilities that are unique to this place, with a calling and a vision and a dream that's unique to this place. And guys, to think that there could be plants all over Boston and this city literally could be transformed, it's a doable vision. It really can happen. If God can take my heart and change me, I know he can do that for a whole city. So let me say this to you guys. The gospel made manifest through his church truly is the hope of the world. And so pray for these men. Encourage them. Write them notes. Let them know that you're for them. Hold their arms up in this thing. And finally, to you, the church, Genesis, I would say something that Paul said. He said, therefore, as God's chosen people and dearly loved, you're dearly loved by God. I don't know if you get that or know that. You are dearly loved by God. Clothe yourself with compassion and with kindness and with humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ 
dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitudes in your heart to God. And whatever you do, whatever dream the Lord puts in these men's hearts that he's given charge over you to, whatever the Lord calls this place to be, and there's going to be moments where these guys are going to sit up and they're going to get off their knees and they say, God has called us to go here. And you're going to say, what? Mike, Paul, Jeremy, you guys are on crack. We can't do that. Whatever the Lord has called you to do, do it. In word and in deed, do it all. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Jeremy, I love you. I'm proud of you as your brother, as your brother in Christ. Shepherd this church well. Serve these people well. Uphold this man as the chief shepherd of this church. Protect him. Love him. Walk with him. Cry with him. Sing with him. And honor your God. He's called you out, affirmed by these people. Exercise the gifts that he's given you well. Be sober-minded. And know that God is very, very pleased with you. And this place, this is going to be cool. It's just the beginning of a great ride. I can't wait to hear the story of Genesis and the damage you guys do for the kingdom in Boston. <laughs> Love you and I'm proud of you. Thank you for letting me be here. Uh, I was pretty excited. Um, Paul, thank you for sharing and just uh, sharing your heart with us. And um, uh, Paul Fleming uh, is the other um, uh, just godly man that uh, God has called and raised up to serve uh, Jesus in this church as an elder and uh, in thinking about who would be uh, a great um, person to uh, really speak to Paul, encourage, bless Paul as Paul uh, Alexander has done for Jeremy. Um, uh, I thought of his son. So we brought in Peter from New York uh, to come. Come on up, Peter, if you would. I mean, this is what Oprah must feel like every day. Um, I've had the privilege of knowing Peter for... Uh, almost seven years, and uh, he is uh, in college right now uh, in um, Manhattan area at King's College. And uh, this, this guy's walking with Jesus, loving the Lord, and just growing. <laughs> and uh, he's seen this a lot before, so um, I just, just was so thankful that he took off time from like exam week to... Uh, just be here for his dad, so. Well, first off, I just want to say thank you for putting me after a pastor who speaks to 3,000 people. Um, Man, I knew you would wipe up, so just, <laughs> you're all good. Well, Michael asked me this week to come down and um, s surprise my dad, and um, 
I just thought it was the least I could do to honor a man who's done so much in my life and who I love so much, so I'm glad to be here. Um, when Michael asked me um, uh, to share the way that my dad's blessed me, my thought was how could I narrow it down to five minutes or so um, with all that he's done. Dad, you've been such a strong influence in my life and have blessed me in so many ways from the way you love mom and Nikki, care for your friends, the way you care for my friends, the way you lead your business with integrity and honesty, and how you still find significant time to spend with God amidst a hectic schedule. For today, one of the things I want to highlight is not something, uh, not something you do, but something you said to me. Uh, the two-hour car rides um, after a day of skiing or a day at the lake were and always are uh, the catalyst for our best conversations. In one of our talks about my future life and, and career, you said to me, don't be afraid to be better than me in everything you do. At the time, I recognized that this was significant but didn't really understand why. And especially now, after a year living in New York City, I began to see how big of a deal this was. And it's been such a blessing and encouragement to me. You see potential in me that I often don't see and, and confident, have confidence in my abilities and talents that God has given me. With all the success in your life, you want me to be better. With all the awards you have received, you want me to get more. The selflessness needed to say something like this is not a common quality. It's not like I want to be better than you, but it, knowing that you do is enough to push me on. But as much as you want me to succeed career and school-wise, you have always emphasized that it takes backseat to my relationship with Christ. Since I was young, you've taught me everything is for God's glory. That as much as I want to be a strong leader, I'm a sheep in God's flock, and that the voice that calls me by name is safe and worthy to follow. As I was thinking and praying through what God wanted me to say today, I was having trouble thinking of things I wanted to pinpoint. I took a small, I took a small notepad out of my bag to write down and brainstorm some ideas. And God revealed the perfect way to portray how you've blessed me and how you've impacted me. Last semester, I went on a weekend retreat with some of um, students at the school, and we focused on the idea of God being our father and being our dad, as well as really looking, looking into the character of our own dads. By the end of the weekend, um, with some exercises, we wrote down a short phrase on a sticker to remember and dwell upon. Not having anywhere else to put the sticker, I put it on the cover of my small notebook. I haven't taken this thing out in a few months, and for some reason, God led me to take it out to brainstorm on um, this past week. On the front of it, I put the sticker, and it says, The Dad Who Leads the Way. Dad, you are my leader. You're always pointing me to the ultimate authority and ultimate leadership of God in our lives. As you take on the position of elder at Genesis, I want to challenge you to lead boldly, recognizing what he has entrusted to you. Lead with an authority that comes from God, that is you proclaim his name, angels rejoice, and demons cower. But remember that it's not your name that holds power, but his. Lead as one who understands that God has put you in this position, that it's not anything you did on your own that brought you here, but God's hand leading and choosing you. With that in mind, don't get discouraged when doors are closed, for his hand is guiding you. Rejoice when, rejoice when doors are open, for his hand is guiding you. 
I want to challenge you with Acts 20, 28 to 31, which says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Lead boldly as a shepherd watching over God's flock, trusting that God will help you protect it from the enemy. Have faith that God is one worthy of your trust. But don't try to have a great faith in God. Have faith in a great God. Dad, you have had such an amazing and godly influence in my life and will continue to be so for many people. As a dad who leads the way in my life, make sure God is the dad who leads the way in yours. Peter, uh, finish up school, move back here, we'll plant some churches together, man. Uh, lastly, I wanted to invite uh, uh, just another good friend. We did not have to fly or bus him in. Uh, he lives uh, in Lexington, so that was a bit easier of a commute. But um, he's been a very good friend, Ian, if you'd come up. Um, welcome, Ian Whitfield, if you would. Uh, Ian's been a, just a, a mentor, a shepherd, encouragement, a challenge, a blessing uh, to me uh, over the past seven years. Uh, he has served as, uh, and still continues to serve as an elder of Hope Christian Church. And uh, Hope Christian Church, uh, as many of you know, um, is the church that helped get us going, is the church that supported and blessed and encouraged and uh, just provided for us in numerous ways. And so I wanted uh, Hope to have a part of what God is doing uh, today in our midst. And so I invited um, uh, Ian uh, to come and uh, not just represent Hope Church, uh, but he's a great friend to me, a great friend uh, to many of you here in this community. So I just wanted him uh, to share his heart as well. So Ian, thanks for being here. I guess I'd like to start by thanking you, Michael, for allowing me to follow someone who speaks every week in front of 3,000 people <laughs> and someone who ought to speak every week. You guys are good. I mean, you're sitting there thinking of that stuff. I mean, that is that was, that was good. <laughs> I got to work on that kind of stuff, so... I didn't plan to say this, but um, uh, I come in a spirit of joy this morning. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, what does that mean? For me, it means to declare out loud the joy of the Lord. And we were praying um, <clears throat> out back, and I was surrounded by a, a few of you that I didn't know well, and I didn't know if it was okay to pray or not, so I thought I'd pray quietly, and I asked the Lord what he would have me pray about, and he just brought to mind that scripture that says, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. At that very moment, Paul Fleming started praying on virtually the same theme of joy, and then we came in here, and we captured that sense of joy in the Lord. There is a sense in which I come on behalf of the elders and the congregation at Hope Church, and I come in the spirit of what John the Apostle writes when he said, there is no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And I say I come, I come in that sense um, because I'm not sure that Genesis is really uh, quite the same as a child um, of a parent, but there's definitely a role that God had Hope Church play um, as an incubator, 
um, as a sponsor, as a blesser of all that God is doing. And so it's with great joy that I come. This is actually the first Sunday that I've been released to come and join you in worship. And it's just great to see that you're walking in the truth and that the life of the Spirit of God is manifestly here. One of the things we were concerned about as we thought about planting Genesis was the leadership team, that God would raise up that leadership team. And he did, didn't he? He did on day one, and for, at least for me, uh, this is more or less a culmination of, of what he'd already ordained at the very beginning. And uh, so uh, I rejoice in all that's happening today. It's been said a few times that we're more or less exactly at the 18-month mark. And I don't know if you know the statistics of church plants, but uh, the min- mi- minority of church plants make it to 18 months. And you're not just making it, you're thriving. So I was thinking about what God would have me say to Jeremy and to Paul, and I went to the scripture passages that talk about eldership. And for me, Jeremy, I thought back, the Lord, I think, reminded me, suddenly, I wasn't expecting this, um, of the year that Hope Christian Church went through Journey Through the Bible on Saturday mornings. We did 66 books in 12 or 13 sessions, and you were were part of the cohort of the teachers. And And I remembered back... To, uh, to being impressed by your scholarship of the Scriptures, but way more importantly, that the Scriptures were life to you. And you have the gift of teaching. It's what you do professionally, uh, but more importantly, it's what you do in the body of Christ. I was reminded of that, uh, that verse in Timothy when Paul says uh, to Timothy, the things that you've heard me say, entrust to reliable men who are also qualified to teach others. And Jeremy's a reliable man, isn't he? And he's a man who knows how to teach. He's qualified to teach. His brothers told us a bit about that. We've seen that. And so I say to you, just fan into flame the gifts, the gift of teaching and the other gifts that God has given to you. Serve this church in the power of his spirit. And I think about Paul. Paul, I know you a little better than I know Jeremy. We've walked together for a few years. And as I looked at those same passages, I was struck by the phrase in Titus where it says that there's a reason why you're to be blameless and there's a reason why you're to be above reproach. And that is that you're entrusted with God's work. And if you know Paul Fleming at all, and most of you do, you know that that's what Paul is about, isn't it? He's about God's work. He lives and breathes uh, what it is to walk with God, the life in the Spirit. I thought about a scripture that might encourage you. This will have some recognition, I think, in your heart. We happen to meet this this week, quite unexpectedly, we had breakfast together. We didn't plan it. God had to plan that. And I thought about Romans 8. Romans 8 is an important chapter for Paul. Uh, in it, the Apostle Paul says that we should live a life in the Spirit. And it says this, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And my brother and friend Paul Fleming walks and lives in the Spirit of God. And so I just encourage you, as you well know, to employ your gifts of the Spirit that He's given to you for the upbuilding of this church. Thanks, Ian. If you would just actually stay up here. Uh, Paul and uh, Jeremy, we've been talking to you and about you and want to invite you to come up now. Um, No, seriously, come on up. Uh, I want to invite uh, Paul uh, Alexander to, to come back up as well. And uh, Peter, I don't know where you just went to, but if you would come, go ahead and sit down. Yep. Um, 
want to ask you four questions, and um, they're questions that uh, if you affirm, I just want you to both say, uh, we will. Uh, and church, as you hear uh, these questions, these are uh, covenants that they're making uh, to God, uh, to one another, and uh, to this church. And these are, as you see these covenants, uh, please uh, remember them, and uh, remember to pray these very things uh, into uh, their life. So the first uh, question, uh, do you covenant uh, to continue to love God with all of your heart, uh, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength? Second question, do you covenant to continue to sacrificially love your wives, uh, Tracy and Patty, as Jesus has loved the church? I do. Do you covenant to continue to love and lead your children in the ways of the gospel of Jesus? I do. I do. And lastly, do you covenant to faithfully Serve Genesis as elders, living out our mission, honoring all the commitments of an elder set forth in our I Love the Church manual, and seeking to pursue in increasing ways the character of an elder is set forth in the scriptures. Uh, Paul, I'm going to ask that you would pray uh, first for Jeremy and Ian, if you could uh, pray for Paul, and uh, just lay hands on these guys and I'll close this. Father, you are absolutely holy and other and set apart. God, we're gracious for the beautiful gifts that you give to your church. And I pray for my brother. I need to rest really well in your grace. That um, all the wonderful gifts that he's given by you, Lord, that he would exercise and steward those well with a very sober mind. Lord, that your body, your bride, your church would be built up and prepared for that day. God, I pray that um, beyond all the wonderful scholarly knowledge you've given him from your word, that he would lead from his heart. That, God, that you would crush his heart for your people. That he'd love his wife very well. That Colin and Maddie and Dylan will look at their dad and say, that's the kind of man I want to be like one day. God, I pray that you would guard him and keep him through your spirit. I pray that you'd be well pleased with him and what happens inside of him. Father, I pray that um, your body, the church here at Genesis, God, would be shaped into the image of your son because of the way you lead him to lead this body. God, I love you. I'm grateful for my brother. So proud of him that we belong to one another in you. And that I could share this moment. I trust him to you. For I know you'll keep him far greater than I will. And Lord, I know that you have hopes and dreams for him that are far more than what I could ever think. And so, Lord, glorify yourself through my friend and my brother, and Lord, through the ministry of this church. It's in Jesus' name I ask this. Heavenly Father, we rejoice in you today. We rejoice in you for all that you have done. 
all that you are doing and all that you will do through your servant, Paul. I thank you, Lord, that he has served Hope Christian Church as an elder for many years. And he is now being entrusted with your work in this place. You have already been at work through him, through his life, through his ministry, through his uh, manifestation of the power of the Spirit in these last 18 months. But this is indeed a solemn moment. And uh, we invite your Holy Spirit to anoint him, to anoint him one more time for all that he is being entrusted to do in this place. May he be a faithful steward. And I just pray that prayer with the Apostle Paul. I pray that our God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power, he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Dear me and Paul, this is uh, what Peter says. And I say to you as a fellow elder, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings and the one who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing. As God wants you to be. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Father God, I give thanks for these men. God, I give thanks that you have raised them up. God, that you have called them, uh, you have qualified them. God, you have gifted them in unique ways. God, I thank you that you have given them a burden, a desire to serve you and to serve this church as elders. So in Jesus' name, we install these men, Paul Fleming and Jeremy Alexanders, as elders of Genesis. God, we ask that you would protect these men. God, we ask that you would just cover these men. God, we ask that you would just bless these men. God, we ask that you would increase in them, that they would, much like John the Baptist, continue uh, to grow less and less and decrease and decrease so that Jesus Christ may only increase in the life of Jeremy Alexander and in the life of Paul Fleming. God, I pray that they would honor these covenants, these commitments that they have made before you, before this church. God, by your grace at work in them, God, give them the strength and the grace they need to honor the covenant that they have made to love you with all of their heart, to love their wives sacrificially as Jesus loves the church, to love and lead their kids in the ways of the gospel, and to love and lead this church. God, please bless these men. We give thanks for them. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, welcome some new elders, Jeremy and Paul. I have um, a gift I would like to give them uh, to Jeremy and to, uh, to Paul. I want them to continue to study and read, so there's a gift card to Amazon. And um, I want them to continue to love their wives, so there's gift cards for them to take their wives on dates. Um, so, <laughs> fellas, that's your moment to be like, oh, not the women, you're supposed to say that. <laughs> have you learned nothing? 
Uh, I wanted to invite uh, Tracy Alexander to come up um, and Patty Fleming to come up and my wife. I wanted my wife uh, to pray uh, for Patty and uh, for Tracy as well. Uh, And then we're going to finish by celebrating uh, communion and and some worship. So Kyle, if you would pray for uh, Patty and uh, Tracy, and I will close us out. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for... um, for these families, God, that you have uh, raised up and have brought to Genesis and have placed um, in this role in our church. And Lord, I thank you for my friends, Tracy and Patty. Lord, I thank you for um, how you have selected them, Lord, to be the wives to these men. And God, I pray for them right now. I pray, Lord, that you would help them to, um, to love, continue to love their husbands and to um, respect them and to serve them and to be their um, be their biggest fans and to um, Lord help them as these men step into uh, this new role at our church. Lord, I pray that um, that you would just empower um, Tracy and Patty just to continue to be a source of encouragement and support uh, to their husbands. And Lord, I just pray for these families and the children that you've entrusted to them. Lord, I pray that the their entire family would just be used by you, God, um, to bring glory to your son, Jesus, and to um, encourage and be used to minister uh, to us here at Genesis. And Lord, I just pray your hand of protection over them, over their marriages, over their families. Lord, that you would, um, God, that you would just surround them with your love and your protection, Lord, that you would um, just bind the enemy from from their lives, God, that they would... um, just be used by you in mighty ways. And so, Lord, I just pray uh, for both of these families, God, that you would help them to stay focused on you, that uh, Jesus would be the love of their lives and the love of their, um, the focus of their families, Lord. And I pray, especially for Tracy and Patty, God, that you would just strengthen them and encourage them and help them just to continue on in loving their husbands. I pray in Jesus' name. God, you are so good, and we give thanks for what you are doing in our midst, that we get to see it, God, that we get to participate uh, with you in the work you're doing here. And God, again, we say thank you uh, for the work you are doing. God, we know you are not done with us, and uh, we just ask for more of you uh, in our lives, in the life of this church, in the days to come. And God, we give thanks for the men that you have raised up to serve you in this church as elders. We love you, Jesus, and we give thanks, and we pray that in your name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Just take it with you. One of the things I've been just thinking about as we've been doing this now for about almost 50 minutes, it would be uh, very easy to have uh, kind of a spectator mentality of you're watching what's going on in other people's lives. And um, I don't want you to do that. Uh, I want you to know that God is working in your life and... um, God is at work in our midst, and I don't want anyone to spectate in this church. Um, I want everyone who's here, if you're here today, consider this an invitation to participate with what God's doing, uh, to participate in the activity of God. He's doing great things. And uh, I asked the question before, where are you celebrating? Where are you rejoicing? And uh, I hope that you've been encouraged, not just by these men, be encouraged by them, but be encouraged by a great God who's doing great things. In our, in our midst. We don't deserve it, uh, but God is doing great things. And as I think as Paul said, I'm so excited for the ride that God has us on, and I'm so excited for the places that God is taking us. 
and we get to go there together.